The Persistent and Nasty podcast is a series of interviews and informal discussions with inspiring women and other marginalised voices in theatre, film and beyond. From actors to activists, we aim to amplify these voices and invite the world to stay nasty. Persistent and Nasty podcast has teamed up with We Edition to offer our listeners 25% off monthly subscription. Head over to We Edition and type in NASTY, all capital letters, 25 at checkout. I have said it before, I will say it again. We Edition really are the future of casting. And also you can make money while being a member on the site. You can um, be a scene partner for people and you can help with accents. You can just generally help each other out. And it's a really important thing for us to do, especially during these times and just a lovely way to have community. Our other offer for our listeners is still with Backstage. Backstage are offering our actors 12 months free subscription. You heard that right, 12 months free if you follow the link in the description box. For casting directors, you can post free castings when you type in Persistent and Nasty at checkout. Hello you gorgeous lot, how are you all doing? Welcome to another episode of the Persistent and Nasty podcast. Elaine here. I hope that you are all staying well, looking after yourselves, being kind to yourselves, being kind to others, washing your hands, keep wearing those masks, we're nearly out of this, she says hopefully, fingers crossed, and the sun is shining, it is beautiful and spring-like and oh, hope springs eternal. Today's episode, we have the amazing Holly Morgan joining us. Holly is a performer and a fellow podcast host. Um, We talk about Holly's two podcasts that she has, she is a busy busy lady and her performing and we obviously discuss everything that's been going on in the world over the last kind of 10 days 12 days especially in the UK with things that are getting discussed and um yeah so ask ask ourselves some really big questions actually um so yeah just little warning if you're still not feeling great about everything that's going on maybe jump ahead about 10 minutes into the podcast I think that's probably the best idea you can follow us on all social media Twitter at Persistent Nasty, Instagram at Persistent and Nasty, Facebook Persistent and Nasty and send us a wee email to persistentandnasty at gmail.com. Please remember to like, subscribe, download and review the episode. It really, really makes a huge, huge difference. Once again, thank you to all of you who continue to support us um, by donating to our PayPal. We are humbled beyond grateful and I don't think we will ever be able to put it into words um if you wish to chuck us the price of a cup of tea the link is in the episode description all right I think that's definitely enough of me chatting away um Louise is having gin during this episode Holly is having a Negroni and I was having a cup of tea so really any beverage of your choice I think for today's episode as always Sit back, relax, and enjoy. I'm not the only one. I'm on the gin. <laughs> I mean, oh, at the moment, I think I think we're allowed one, aren't we, girls? Mm-hmm. 
I mean, I'm still on the tea just now, but. <laughs> it's been tough, hasn't it? Have you guys been okay? I mean, this week has been just unreal for like, just just trying to get through. I mean, it's been a bad week. Yeah. It's past week, as we all know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think we're doing okay. I mean, we are kind of, we're involved in lots of different conversations about burning it to the ground here in Scotland. So that kind of helps our, I think it helps collectively our mental health in terms of like feeling like, okay, this is horrendous, but we can be part of a solution perhaps. And that, that I mean, that certainly helps me like just being active and kind of responsive because it's so easy to just feel like, feel catatonic, like have this, like the weight of it make you feel like you just can't do anything yeah yeah um, that's, but yeah that's the impression I got from from your social media actually it was really I, I found it really empowering because I, I haven't been able to articulate anything I haven't been able yeah. to I think a lot of people are feeling that as well and I read a tweet of yours Louise about how angry you were and it just it, I don't know it's just it's just it's it's something it feels like you're channeling something and it's it's really empowering to read it as well Oh, thank you. I mean, I go one of two ways. Some days I'm just paralyzed by it and I can't, I can't articulate anything online. And I, 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 that's why I find persistent and nasty is quite useful for us because it, it, it represents a sort of collective voice rather than us individually. So sometimes yeah. it's quite easy, easy to channel it through that. Yes. Um, yeah. But yeah, cause it can go one of two ways. You can just get in, you can just get overwhelmed, I think. Um, yeah, absolutely. Where, where are you both? Are you, you're both in the same city. Yeah, yes. Glasgow. Oh, gorgeous! Yeah, and and was there a vigil up there? Like you guys, there was going to be one, um, but then they said no. And obviously, last weekend or yeah, the weekend before that, we had uh, football fans, of course. <laughs> mm, yes, which has um, just been nice and salty on the old wind there. <laughs> just like. Get that coarse grain in there. Really, mm, get that molded. Oh. Get, <laughs> get like a police escort from one part of the city to the main of the city. Yes. Yeah. Um, um, and it's funny because at the time I was like, well, actually, you know, we're still quite high with COVID numbers in Glasgow. So you don't want the police putting themselves in any danger. And the reality of them going in heavy handed with all of that could have caused even more. And then Saturday night, I literally could have lost my fucking mind. I had to come off Twitter. I was like, I'm going to explode. Yeah. I'm going to go outside and scream. I kind of think somebody did put it in um, on Twitter that and we should have done it. We should do it like at some point this following week that every woman just goes out on their doorstep at half past nine at night and just fucking screams. Oh, my God. 100%. Like, let's howl to our fucking moon. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> let's do it. Let's fucking break the decibels level. Like, oh, wouldn't that be magnificent if that actually happened? If ever, yeah, like in, in the same level of like clapping for the NHS happened, <laughs> if like every woman up and down the country just screamed at eight o'clock every night just for a week, <laughs> or a fortnight. Like, <laughs> yeah, fuck it. We should try. I mean, I live in um, I live in an area of North London, which we, we just moved quite recently, and it's it's very like um, uh, it's quite bougie and quite like child centric, and but it's also quite lefty. So it's kind of like it's got a nice mix of like really old school sort of hippie lefties, and then these sort of like the mum types, and then like 
<laughs> in the middle of the first round. You know when clapping sort of vaguely meant something for a hot minute and then it was like, oh. This woman <laughs> tried to organise a clap for the children. She tried to get, she was like, everybody, our babies have been so brave. And I think everyone <laughs> come out on the doorstep and clap for the children. And then the next post was like, well, Wilfred and I couldn't believe it. We were the only ones out there. It's absolutely disgraceful. <laughs> I mean, it's like, I mean, what's the version of that uh, philosophical statement? If, uh, if, if you're the only couple clapping on the street, did anyone really hear it? Like, <laughs> like a tree, if a tree falls in the woods. Um, yeah, that'll yeah, bless that, them. Bless I, them for I, trying. Yeah. So I don't know if they'd join us in our howl at the moon, but... We could try. Okay, we could try, right? <laughs> we definitely try. try. Yeah. Anyway, Holly Morgan, welcome to the Persistent and Nasty Podcast. <laughs> I'm so thrilled. Thank you so much for having me. So excited. Oh, you're not you're not nearly as thrilled as I am as we are. We're very excited to have you. And there's so much I want to talk about. We're obviously going to talk about you, Holly Morgan, the artist, the performer, the podcast producer and host because I definitely want to talk about your podcast oh very excited (laughs) um so I suppose a good place to start for our listeners who might not know who you are and if they don't know who you are they're not following our social media closely enough or my social media closely enough um tell the people who you are what you do give us give us the plotted history Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. This is really humbling. Thank you. Um, What what do I do? Well, at the moment, I I mainly podcast because where we are. Uh, But pre-Panny D, uh, I used to be a um, a, a performer. I'm I'm used to be. I shouldn't pass tense myself. I'm still... Still am a performer. I will return to my to my medium. Yeah, it's a different medium, I guess, isn't it? And I used to, I did three years at the fringe with two shows that were about misogyny, (laughs) essentially. (laughs) And uh, they were musical shows. So they were shows about misogyny supported by banging tunes because that's how we're going to top up. How we get the message across. (laughs) How we get them, guys. Right? tunes that's it yeah um and I I do silly voices I do impressions um which I guess was kind of a way of making my feminism palatable at one stage I was like well I'll do the silly voices and then they won't realize that I'm burning the whole thing down um so yeah stealthy yep (laughs) stealth under the radar so yeah, I, I, I do impressions of the great divas and my husband is also in my shows and we're sort of rebranding a little bit as Holly Morgan and her husband as a kind of, yeah, feminist double act. And uh, we podcast together in our podcast, Big Diva Energy, which is about, uh, uh, yeah, identifying what we mean by that term, diva, and, and how gendered that term's become and how much that has become a tool of of misogyny and oppression and seeing like do we does it mean female excellence does it mean non-binary excellence does it mean what does it mean um so that's kind of an ongoing conversation and on the way we just have lols about various divas so we had our mutual love of our lives cat loud on talking about princess margaret (laughs) and we have 
oh god we had an amazing drag queen called peaches christ talking about divine the other week so we try and keep it varied like our most recent episode was with a fantastic non-binary cabaret performer called carrot talking about marsha p johnson so yeah just kind of looking at different different inspirational figures and yeah i also co-host a podcast called out for blood about the history of carry the musical obsessed so, with that one how are you i'm fully oh, caught up but yeah i'm obsessed i'm obsessed yeah. with it it's brilliant i mean both your podcasts are brilliant but this one has been like uh, you know it's been a lockdown treat for me the carry oh, podcast oh thank you so much that was so sweet thank you <laughs> really, well, thanks for having me this is great what are you drinking holly Got a Negroni, mate. Oh, I'm a bit like, oh shit, I should have got a drink. <laughs> Jen, you've got a Negroni. I've got a <laughs> well, I didn't drink this weekend, so I was kind of like, oh fuck it, I'm gonna have one. I'm having a chat to the girls. I'm gonna have a lovely yeah. drink now. I approve. <laughs> <laughs> we approve this message. We yes, do approve it. <laughs> uh, sorry, I, I don't know what happened there. My my headphones went a bit weird, but yes, I was just mid gush. Oh gosh, that was it. Yeah. And it was gorgeous. Um, the diva thing is so interesting because right now um, I was actually just playing because I made a play. I, I've made two playlists for Persistent and Nasty on Spotify. Lockdown part one and then lockdown like when we all wanted to lose our minds at Christmas. Yeah. And um, Diva from, by Beyonce. And obviously she's just become the most uh, awarded Grammy winner in history. Yes, Queen. Incredible. Um, Okay, you know, it's Beyonce. Yeah. And all I can think of right now is Diva is a female. In my head. The podcast is brilliant. So, oh, thank you so much. It's so the whole we talk about this a lot is the reclaiming of words and how words are used against us. And last week we spoke to two amazing women who have set up um a campaign for a pardon for the witches of Scotland, people who were accused of witchcraft in Scotland, and just even that word, and it's the reclaiming of these words. It's so mm-hmm. important. It's so important. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, because what? So your podcast, Big Diva Energy. So that investigation into that word and the ways in which can you speak to that a little bit? In the ways in which it's maybe been used as a negative, yeah, but sometimes it's used as a positive. But yeah, absolutely. I think, yeah, in its kind of traditional music, musical sense, you think about somebody like Maria Callas, who is someone with a, a voice that kind of defied description, which was her currency. Like she was this whole, sort of a person that could command huge sums of money for being able to do something extremely well. And sort of in part of her worth, part of the legend that emerged, I guess, about Maria Callas in particular was about her demands so some I think that might be where they kind of the terms got conflated where like someone who can do something amazingly well but also isn't afraid to ask for what they need to do that thing extremely well and then I think how it's evolved from that has been a way of going diva when you ask for something that you need to do what you do well and the gendering of that I think I think a lot of gay men have been called divas for doing that going through that same process i think a lot of uh non-binary people have found have been kind of subjugated in that way and i think i'd love to see it being pulled back to being a positive like yes diva <laughs> which I yes think, diva I, I, yeah yes diva and I, I think it is being but i think you'll still see things like you know piers morgan walking off the other week i saw at least a couple of headlines with where he was referred to 
as is a divas drop. And that's obviously in a sense negative reportage about Piers Morgan, which I'm all here for, but they still use that word. Why did they feel like that was an appropriate word for somebody who is not is yeah. not excellent and no <laughs> <laughs> and had come to the end of his of his rope. He had he didn't have anything more to contribute. So he so he left. Like that a diva wouldn't do that. <laughs> yeah. A yeah. diva also is, you know, um the epitome of professionalism in so many ways. Yes. And, and, yeah. And um I feel like tantrum needed to be the word that was used where, wherever reference to Piers Morgan was concerned. That was a freaking tantrum. It was. Yeah, and it was. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah, um, toddler tantrum. Toddler tantrum. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. He's a modeler. He's a modeler. <laughs> I love it. I have to give Ian Sidebottom a, a credit for that it. one. <laughs> um, but yeah, modeler. Uh, he absolutely is that's exactly what he is yeah that's exactly the right term for it yeah yeah but it's, it's really interesting that thing isn't it though because like you know as louise says like the professionalism because i mean i am a big fan of the divas musical um give me a bit, a bit of dame Cheryl any fucking day happy <laughs> happy days um, and she gets that a yeah. lot mm-hmm a lot and has had it a lot for a really long time and I find the whole thing fascinating with it of I wonder if she would have got labeled a diva as quickly had she been white yes good point mm-hmm. and had uh, she, I doubt she would have been labeled it if she was a male at that time as well Absolutely. nobody's yeah. called Tom Jones a diva Exactly. Well, that's I, I was I was wondering about that. There's no male equivalent of it, really. Not really. No, they use they use it to co-op. They co-opt it when they want to say that a man is doing the same similar behaviour. Like like what we were just saying. But yeah, Tom Jones is such a great example that that almost com- complete like peers in every single way. And Tom Jones behaves appallingly when like in his Vegas residencies and stuff. But Shirley Bassey has, I think, one arrest for indecent for for public drunkenness. And like, and she's probably been late a bit. <laughs> but like, yeah. And then it's she's mad. Time. It's crazy. And it's so like, again, there's something you said at the top of this chat that that just sparked in my brain. This idea of like, it's really like knowing your worth, like asking for what you need because you do something particularly well. Yeah. And wrapped up in that is like asking for what you need because you know you're worth it. Yeah, and um, it's so interesting that when ultimately that's what that's what we're talking about here that there is no sort of gendered equivalent for men because it's just assumed that that's the way that men will be treated. They will be given what they what they need. They don't need to make demands, you know, you know, to to use that word. When well, actually, it, like any kind of language around it, like being demanding, it's like no, I'm not being demanding. I'm just telling you what I need. I'd never even thought of it. That's so clever. That's such a great observation, Louise. Because yeah, exactly, a man. If you think about like a like the great rock bands of the 70s, you wouldn't describe like Aerosmith Rider as being deverish. You'd be like, oh yeah, Aerosmith Rider, they want this and they'll get it. <laughs> like Mariah Carey's legendary book, you know, boxes of puppies or whatever she, she said to demand. Like, yeah, it's a real it's yeah. a definite distinction there because it's it's assumed that a man will get what he wants because he wants it. And I can't remember what it was. I mean, God, it might even been one of you, one of your podcasts, uh, Holly. I can't remember. I was listening to a podcast where that rock star thing was being discussed, and how it was a sort of, in many ways, it was a sort of 
thing to test, like the management companies would be testing yes. the promoters yeah. uh, to see if they were paying attention to the rider. Yeah, yeah. And exactly. um, that's why the sort of the sort of the thing of the myth of the ridiculous thing, like only brown M&Ms in a brandy glass or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, if it appeared, then they're paying attention, which means that everything else, you can expect everything else to go well, like the lighting yeah. and uh, the rest of the team, the crew. Yeah. But what's not happened for the men is that that, that thing has sort of been grouped into being unreasonable and and to being you know uh difficult or bossy or something you know someone to be wary of all of those things come bundled up with the women but not the men which you've rightly pointed out it's (laughs) (laughs) but it begins it's such it's it's so ingrained in the industry at the entertainment industry that phrase and also the behavior and it's like you can take it all the way back to silent movies like if you want to go Mm. all the way back and the men and the women both had demands yeah it was only ever the women that got talked about in in columns gossip columns for asking for certain things you know the fact that like Valentino's house had bloody marble floors everywhere was seen as an amazing thing but if Gloria Swanson had asked for it yeah, yeah. That's and then it just ra- it's just ran and it's ran into music. And then just because I've said that thing about Shirley Bassey and would have happened if she'd been white, I'm now in my head going, okay, so list the female white singers that get called diva a lot. Mm. And list the female black singers that get called diva. Yeah. yeah that's a good point. I hadn't really thought about that either. Yeah, it's a really good point. Because our big, our, our sort of, our major white divas, like the one that immediately springs to mind for me is Barbara Streisand. Yes. And she kind of sits in a realm of her own, like, own yeah. reality, a parallel universe. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's, yeah. It's like, beyond this conversation. Um, but then, yeah, all the other ones at that sort of stratospheric level. Yeah. Yeah, I think they're women point. of colour, aren't they? Like, generally, yeah. You take out Babs and who are you left with? I mean, do people still call Liza a diva? I don't... I don't, I don't know. Do maybe do. maybe they just call her a liability at this point. I'm not sure. <laughs> they do. I love her so much. <laughs> She's everything. Eliza, stage live. She was fucking phenomenal. So was I guess that. Hmm? Was she great? Oh my god, she was amazing. Oh, I'm glad to hear that. And I had no idea if she was going to be amazing because this is like oh 11 years ago 12 years ago probably and um, two days before she came to Glasgow she'd been playing Germany and she fell off stage (laughs) I think she was pissed Um, oh and we were all like oh fuck this could be a car crash or like but then I was just like I don't care I'm seeing Liza Minnelli like if I can't see Judy Garland's fucking happy days yeah she was incredible yeah. We had the audience in the palm of her hand from the very beginning. It was a fucking masterclass. Yeah. And I remember thinking, well, if she's a diva and she's demanding this, that, and the next thing, well, of course she should fucking get it because look what she's just done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I've seen her be good. I have seen her, yeah, I've seen her, I've saw her I've seen her a couple of times and then they've been they've been highs and lows. So I'm really pleased to see that to hear that you saw her be because when she's when she's excellent, she's there's she's peerless. No one can tell a story like her through song or through anecdotes. And she, you know, she did. It was the Coliseum. This is probably getting on for like fifteen years ago now. Um, but she was, yeah, absolutely, like just a ball of energy. And yeah, 
good good lines of deviation there. <laughs> I feel like um I recall from one of your friend shows that you do an excellent Liza. I am not gonna put you on the spot and make you do it, obviously. No, I would, I mean, like, whenever you want, I'm happy to do it. I love it. She's perfect. She's so I love Liza She's my favorite. <laughs> Hi guys. <laughs> I don't want to put you on the spot. Immediately I'm on it. <laughs> yes. Oh, the biscuit yes oh my god tens across the board oh, I am thank you, thank you. absolutely gagged <laughs> like she was here could you just do the rest of the podcast as Liza I'd be oh, happy yeah. to <laughs> <laughs> oh my god magnificent oh. I, I like sorry this is sort of deviating from our very important feminist like very you know, but- academic chat but I'd like to know how you discovered you could do that <laughs> okay um how did I survive it? Well, university, it was just something I started doing. I mean, I, I, I used to do, I did voices when I was little. I did like, I did, I did share when I was quite young. And then at uni, because obviously my friendship group was <laughs> a certain denomination, I find myself doing the divas and stuff. And I, that's when I you know, got into musical theatre. And it was just, it was just my party trick. And then I had a sort of career as an actress of sorts and then that kind of the wheels fell off a bit and I was like oh shit I've got to do got to do something else here because uh, that phone ain't ringing um and then I was like oh okay well maybe I'll use that and maybe I'll use that as a way to say what I want to say which definitely over the course of three fringe shows got easier and more coherent I think my first show was basically a, basically a cabaret not and I don't mean to disparage cabaret because I love cabaret but my the shows I wrote le- later were were a little bit different so yeah I think that's how that's amazing I love it your oh. shows are excellent your shows are so good like oh, um I saw I, I saw you were at the fringe in 2019 weren't you I was, like, yeah yes I saw that one I'm just I only the only reason I ask is because I'm losing track now because like uh, pandemic where are oh, we what year is God. it how many fringes have we missed I don't know oh, what's going God. on yeah. <laughs> and it was exactly. excellent you are very very talented thank, um, you. thank you very much that's very kind <laughs> um that was about that was the show about witches which uh, you know I can't wait to hear your last week's episode actually that sounds fascinating and um yeah it was really interesting to do a show about witchcraft in Edinburgh um, which has such a, a varied and interesting history when it comes to that. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Um, I, I was going to ask something about Out for Blood, but I think Elaine was going to say something. So I'll let her say it first because it might be more important <laughs> than my desperation to talk about your Out for Blood. <laughs> I think I was just wanting to kind of just round back and finish up on the diva thing. Mm. Um, please, please, yes. Yeah, that was that was kind of all I was kind of going for. And um, just thinking about... And I don't know, I'm now going to have to go and check if I'm if I'm right about the thing about, you know, a, your colour as a female. Because obviously there's so many things that are interlinked and are interwoven, but that being added on to black women mm-hmm. is just another thing. Definitely, definitely. And it just, um, I'm like, at what point? And, and as white women when do we why are we not calling that out yeah that's a really good point I wonder if there's some yeah I think yeah so Bassie Aretha and I think Mariah Carey Mariah. Like, like I mean uh, J-Lo 
J-Lo. Yeah, absolutely. Beyonce. Um, but yeah, Mariah's a really interesting character. Have you read Have you read the book? No, not yet. It's fucking hilarious. It's so funny. Um, but it's also really interesting. And it's like, and it, it's funny because she's just so extra and she's brilliant. But like, there's so much of that story is about her trauma with passing and how the industry chose to weaponize her, her as and when they wanted to her heritage and I think you're absolutely right I think that was part of it was and if you remember that kind of moment when she had her breakdown um which was basically a punchline for Saturday Night Live for about a season um so much of that was to do with the perception that she had got beyond herself in some way she wanted too much she got too much and I think and she articulates this in, in the in the book so much of that is to do with her heritage as well as her as and you, I don't think Celine uh, Celine is obviously a diva but I think these days she, if you saw her in like the Daily Mail it'd be a legend or singing legend it wouldn't necessarily be diva anymore definitely not mm. yeah, and that's a really good point the yeah. Renee's died it's that thing of like mm. bubble of she can no longer be a diva because she's a grieving widow mm-hmm. fuck that's fat. yes so she's now no longer that because she would have been that before but now because she's had this heartbreak and we've all witnessed the heartbreak and we witnessed her breakdown on stage I mean that's classic diva I mean that's fucking out of a star is born Yes. The garland at the end of A Star is Born is I am Mrs. Norman Maine as she breaks. And yeah. so Celine does that in actual life and she's no longer a diva. She's now a legend because, well, what? So she's a w- woman, she can possibly be both. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oof. Um, There's also something in there about what society deems acceptable and how they label you in relation to the dynamic you have with a man. Because mm. it's sort of common knowledge that she was in a relationship with him from very young and that he was part of making her who she was. So it's like yeah. we accept that and we think that's that we think that's the way it should be. That's quite we graciously uh, indo- indoctrinate you into like legend from from where you were before because yeah. you. Yeah, it, ooh, ugh, I've just creeped myself out. <laughs> yeah, it is creepy. It is, isn't it? Yeah, it's weird. And I also wonder as well, there's a lot of um messiness uh with where divas is concerned we have a lot of our a lot of our iconic divas have a history of of mess you know like of of mental health issues and and you know being yeah yeah being broken by the industry that um they were part of and isn't that a way to dismiss that mental health though as well isn't it because you just got us just our diva moment yeah you're just having a diva moment yeah so we just kind of brush it off and let's just keep moving. Not that the person's having a really fucking shitty time. And maybe what we should be doing is taking a little bit of care and concern. Absolutely. Well, free Britney, right? I mean, it's that, that is, that is, it's that exact counterpoint of, of like, she is, uh, um, she, she's busy. She's too busy. I need to look after her. And yet she's performing at a level that you, I'm sorry that these two things do not combine exactly weaponizing her mental health. Yeah, it's it's horrific, but you're exactly mm. right, Elaine. It's exactly that. I haven't watched the Free Britney documentary yet. Have you guys seen it yet? Mm. Yeah. I haven't watched it. I don't think I'm ready yet. <laughs> it's really tough. Yeah, 
I can imagine. Yeah. It really, it, it makes the, the 2000s don't come off well. <laughs> That's I mean, they were already struggling with low-rise jeans and double denim <laughs> situations, so like we didn't need any more exactly. points against the two thousands. Um, no, they don't. Uh, the the noughties do not come off well at all. Um, and really interesting. Like, I mean, I was right slap bang in my like late teens, early twenties in that time period. So all of that is. I'm like, I just put up with so much shit. So much. So much shit that if me now said to my 20-year-old self, no, you don't have to do that, I'd be like, no. <laughs> option. Yeah. But like, no, I just, and, you know, things like watching the Britney documentary made me realise like how much I was part of that I was part of that. I bought Heat magazine when I was 16. I wore, like, all of those things. I was part of that yeah. without even right. realising that I was part of taking down another female. Because if that had been put out to me, like, you buying this magazine to read about her or talk about her or Perez Hilton, fucking arsehole that he is, like... Piece of shit. Fucking piece of shit. Mm. Is it just me or is he getting away with absolute murder? Pretty oh, much? yeah. Like, yeah. Like I feel like there's just like that's just sitting over there like dude like you do you know you're a piece of shit I think if he was straight it would be a really interesting conversation because mm. I don't think he would get away with half the stuff that he gets away with if he was straight 100% that man is horrendous I feel like I mean it might have made this up but he he, he had a countdown clock to when Britney died or something like something oh. awful or he like tweeted that she should die like something really beyond the pale uh, built his career off this person off, off, off the yeah. mental health complications of, of so many different oh, pieces yeah. and actually it's the mental health complications of women like when I think about it as well like it's been Brittany it's been Lindsay Lohan that he's really gone for yeah mm-hmm. and yeah. Me, I mean the first time I it's like he was kind of beginning of Twitter and that's when it was all you know there and he was there but yeah that thing of realizing watching the Britney documentary was like, fuck, I was part of that. I'm par- I'm part of that and I need to yeah. own up to that too. Yeah. I was there's like, something um for me to get that out of the place. There's something interesting in this that maybe Holly, you could speak to as a as a cabaret musical theater performer. Um and I mentioned this to Cat Loud, our shared, our shared love, um, uh, a while ago. That I'm really interested in developing a show that looks at the sort of uh, the the male gay gaze of the divas. Oh, that's fascinating. And how there's misogyny inherent in that too, and mm-hmm. the way in which they can elevate them really high, but then bring them down very low. That's really in, interesting. In a, in the same breath, sometimes. Um, and how that community rely on each other, but in ways, in some ways, it can be damaging and toxic for the women. <gasps> I don't know. Yeah, that's so interesting. In this dissertation, I shall. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a question because I haven't watched it, so it's a sin. I haven't been able to bring myself to watch it yet, right? Because mm-hmm. I'm like, I, I'm, I need to be prepped to cry every episode. Yeah. I don't, don't think I'm quite there yet. Yeah. Um, so I have a question because this was mentioned to me by one of my other friends. Character of Jan. Mm-hmm. 
Jill, yeah. Jill, sorry, Jill. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so the character of Jill um, was said by my friend that basically she's used to support them and is kind of dismissed and isn't actually given what the the equality that they want. Mm. Do you agree? Absolutely, yeah. I think the two things intersect, actually, exactly what you've been saying, Louise. It's like she's... Um, she she's the uh, she has absolutely no agency her only function in the drama is to support the men and that's not to say that she's not enjoyable and uh and and some you know an interesting presence on screen and i th- uh, from what i've gleaned i think she was supposed to have more i think there was there was a longer arc planned and he didn't get the funding to do the whole series that he wanted and and she's also based on a real person yeah that there's an interesting conversation to be had, I think, isn't there, about what we, what stories we show and how we and how we show them, because I would imagine Russell T Davies would go, this this story I've chosen to show is about the impact of AIDS on on the on the male gay community. Mm-hmm. Someone else can write the impact on on the lesbian community, or someone else can write the impact on the straight community. Is that good enough? Mm. <laughs> I think um, for me, this is a complicated one because I would say for me, Jill, and you know, in the knowledge that she is a she is a real person, like she, there is a there is a real Jill who was extremely active, yeah, in the campaign for raising awareness around AIDS, and and, and her activism and her work can't be understated in terms of Absolutely. what she did. I think they probably only scratched the surface of that in It's a Sin. Mm. Um, but again, I think I think I agree with you, Holly. I think Russell T. Davis only had so much time to really get his story across. Because I, th- I think I read somewhere that he originally wanted a much longer series, but they would only give him eight episodes. Or, or Originally, I think it was six, and then they conceded to give him eight, and he yeah. had to cram it all into eight. Yeah. Um, so in fairness to him and to that show, I think, Holly, you rightly pointed it out, I think it's it's about a very specific thing. And Jill's role in it is is also specific. Um, yeah, it's an interesting one. Yeah, I'm just, yeah, I'm just interested on opinions because it's just it really. Yeah, yeah. I think it kind of. Yeah, I mean, I I, I wrote, a, I did a show. My the last but one show was about the Madonna Hall complex, and I feel there's something watching it. I did kind of think about Jill. I was like, you are their mum. We, you have no sex life that we see. You are, you have no desire that we see. You are just basically a, a, a saint, and she's not just like the saints of her friends. Like the, I won't, I, I won't say anymore actually because it was spoiling it for you, Elaine. But it's her function is very much to be Mary. She's Mother Mary throughout it, and I think that would really be interesting. What you're talking about, Louise, it, it, that idea of looking at the way that a, a diva or an icon can be elevated and sanctified in that kind of way because there's no sexual desire because a gay man and being you know looking up to a, a diva it's not motivated by any kind of sexual aspect that could be something that's quite interesting to look at especially when an icon such as madonna is so sexual that could be really interesting to explore in your show yeah, and you know, it's also the, the the thing that emerged from uh It's a Sin was the hashtag Be More Jill, mm. which in so many ways was great because it was saying it was a thing like 
the female allies are the best allies you'll ever have, particularly the the cis straight female allies. They are you are the, yeah, and and I think sometimes in some behaviors and in some depictions that that can get undermined. Yeah. And um, I always think back to the like I had an argument I had with a gay friend in New York when we went to the uh, a bar in Hill's Kitchen, the name of which I can't remember. I think it was Blazing Saddles, <laughs> and there was a sign behind the bar that said uh, "No woohooing from straight women" because the guys danced on the bar top. <laughs> and I was like, I was I was a few tequila shots deep at this point, and I took great umbrage to this. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean no woohooing from straight women? And my friend was like, okay, Louise, calm down. Let's go outside and have a cigarette and talk about this calmly. <laughs> <laughs> I defend my right to woohoo. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm like, I am supporting you by woohooing. I am here for you. It's <laughs> my coyote ugly opportunity. <laughs> yeah. uh, I have nothing really intelligent to say with that anecdote. Just that it is. Just that it's there. Great anecdote. And now I want a tequila shot. Um, but that's (laughs) um now like I think that yeah the diva I think we could talk to Holly for hours on (laughs) I'd love that the the reclaiming let's talk about Carrie yeah (laughs) tell us the story of how this came about because it's so freaking good Holly it's such a great podcast oh thank you well I mean look all credit to Chris like Chris is just it's his PhD. It's his reason. It's his raison d'être. Um, did you guys know the show before before the podcast? Did you? I was aware of it uh-huh. um, because of the book about it being a flop. So right. I was conscious of its of its placement in theatre history as right. the biggest flop of all time, basically. <laughs> but beyond that, not much. I have no idea how I missed it. Yeah, <laughs> I do love a bit of musical theatre, and usually I'm a big fan. Well, not a big fan of when they flop, but you know, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's like oh, guy. Because also, like, I do a lot of teaching as well when I'm not. Right. So I'm always looking for the ones that have flopped because then I say to the kids, like, if there's a really good song in there, hardly anybody will do it. <laughs> so, like, I'm always so. How I miss that again. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. So it was, yeah. I mean, you've, you've heard the heard the pod, so you know about it. It's, it's the way it got buried. But ha- we discovered it when we were at uni, and we were basically by that point, Chris and I just spent each other every night together. We just didn't really bother with anyone else. And um, I was in my third year. Chris had technically graduated, but was working in, in the area. We were just like, just pissed off, basically, just like thought everyone else was a bit of a dick. <laughs> So we just spent all the time together. Um, and just for clarification for our listeners, Chris is your co-host on yes, Out for Blood. Yes, and this is, uh, was this you guys studying uh, for musical theatre, for studying acting? Was this? No, actually, no, no, this was, before, I, we were at Cambridge and I was doing English and Chris had done English as well, um, English drama and education. And oh, yeah. Right. So you were fucked off with everyone in a totally different way than you would be fucked off at musical theatre training or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, got it. <laughs> I guess that is good forward to contextualise. Just imagine how many fucking cunts there were. Like, <laughs> hey, we're dreadful. Um, oh, we hated it. Yeah. Um, so uh, <laughs> we, we um, just, we found this, we found out about it. We were like, oh my God, this is mental. This before YouTube. Like they just, we didn't, there was no other way to hear it apart from to send off this check in the actual mail 
to get the get the CDs. And then we got the CDs. We were like, oh my God, I really want to see it. And we paid for this video. And we sat there in Chris's little house in Cambridge watching his VHS of a bootleg of a production that closed in 1988. And then we just got even more obsessed with it. And I, write, I emailed the RSC and was like, I'm writing my dissertation on Carrie. I want to come and look at your all your archive. <laughs> and then we found out that we actually had all their archive, but then we didn't have anything. They had nothing more to show us. Like, which should, should have been a wake-up call, really, that we've gone a bit too far. And I was like, Chris, this is what no, very, I was, we were like 21, 20. And I was like, Chris, you need to direct a production of Carrie with me playing Carrie. And he was like, well, you can't do that because it doesn't exist. It's not licensed. I was like, well, what if we called it Barry? And we did a gender swap version. Like, how do we get this? We were just hell bent on doing it. And it was, it was not, it, it was a kind of like underground thing that musical theatre nerds knew about. And there was this book, Not Since Carrie, but about the fact it was the biggest flop of all time. And yeah, we became eerily obsessed. <laughs> and then in the pandemic, we were like, should we write a podcast about Pat Carrie the musical? Yeah, why not? Amazing. <laughs> it's so good. Like, I, I mean, it's interesting you said, should we write a podcast? Because that's how it comes across. It's so well done, like oh, so well researched, so well structured. So not like, like us. So not like us. <laughs> not like me though. It's it's this is Chris. Like this is Chris's baby, and I'm I'm there to to like hold his hand and 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 help. I'm the midwife to his baby. I think <laughs> it really is amazing. I hope that it um uh pre- provides a template um uh, to have more and more opportunities come your way to do more of this kind of thing i don't know if you can i don't know if that's happened if you're talking about doing another one in a similar format i don't know if you can talk about that I'm, yeah. like, I'm nudging you for information no, absolutely yeah i mean like we're, we're talking about what to do for season two because there are other podcasts that do flops and they do like an episode on them but i think what, what our usp seems to be is going deep so and there isn't another flop as big as Carrie. There's nothing, there's nothing. And also, like, what I love about it and what makes it so, what, what has always stuck with me about this story is how, how important, how feminine it is, how much it's about being a girl and about a giril who gets her period and is a, and a, some sort of witch. Like, it's just, it's just got so many important themes to me. But I think we will be doing a second series on a different show. We don't know what it is yet, but we think it might be something that wasn't a flop. Interesting. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I was going to say, because you had the wonderful Joe Iconis on your podcast, uh, which is he's incredible. So he's a he, yeah, girl. So girl. Um, <laughs> he because you know be more chill like mm. I was just like when I heard when I listened to the episode on which he was a guest I was like do be more chill next do it next do it next oh, yes <laughs> yeah we could definitely I mean again we've got a lovely resource and lovely Joe. so yeah because not yeah. not because it's a flop obviously because it's yeah. because of its unique journey from like how it started and then how it got revived and then how it got to Broadway and stuff. Yeah. Uh, that feels like it might be rich for your particular set of skills, Holly yeah. Morgan. <laughs> That's a very interesting suggestion. I'll pop that in, in the tank. I'll put that to my collaborator. <laughs> I'm so glad you're enjoying it. That's so oh, kind of you. I love it. <laughs> I don't know. I was talking to Elaine about it a few weeks ago. I don't know if you've managed to get started on it yet, Elaine, but like I'm Elaine's only a- on episode I'm only on episode two. Ah. <sighs> 
Oh, you've got such a journey to go on. <laughs> I'm, I'm very excited. So much detail. I'm so sorry. You'll be like, bloody hell. <laughs> no, I'm really, I, I'm really enjoying it. Because oh. I also, it's, it's, I don't know how you find Holly, but when you do a podcast, and obviously Louise has got her, our sister podcast, she'd be podcasting. Um, uh, <laughs> um, sometimes I kind of avoid other theatrical podcasts yeah um I am also a big true crime fan so <laughs> yeah there's a lot of true crime podcasts it's a lot of murder there. gotta get that yeah yeah right um but I know I'm just I'm thoroughly enjoying oh thank you my episode so yeah I'm really enjoying it and I'm looking forward to because yeah Louise was like you need to listen to this yeah <laughs> hey yeah. I will. But you will enjoy this. This 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 is the combination of many things that you like. <laughs> like... Well, I had to ask because you said at the start about you kind of rebranding with you and Tom. Mm. And you were going to call it um, your feminist husband. <laughs> <laughs> Holly Morgan and her husband. Yeah, that's kind of because we're yeah, that's the plan, like as and when we can gig again, because we didn't like everything. <laughs> I don't know about how you guys have found this with your careers as well. It's like things just sort of happen and then you look when you have the opportunity to take a step back you kind of go oh right <laughs> and it was like we you know we, we cottoned on to the fact that it should my show should be holly morgan colon and then the name of the show so that there was brand recognition and when i came back next year someone would go oh it's a holly morgan show but then we didn't know how to work tom into that and then we thought oh well, what if we just if we gig under holly morgan and her husband the, the gag is implicit in the fact that he is subsidiary to me in some way but he's also like named <laughs> it's brilliant though because it's like um the Celeste Barber thing because she's like part of the, she, it's like Celeste Barber and her hot husband like yeah. she was actually at hot husband on Instagram which is fucking love that's so funny <laughs> I mean she I mean she is hilarious as well but yeah it just I think there's something I love that though at Holly Morgan and her husband because women are so used to such and such and their wife yes yeah exactly yeah yeah I'm going to tell a story oh I love it I love that I'm checking to see if my husband's standing outside the door and listening and he's totally not but he did walk <laughs> in that while ago not long after we got married another friend of his was getting married and we got an invitation they'd been at our wedding so knew my name oh my god sent us an invitation to the full day of their wedding uh, to Steve and not even to Steve and wife to Steve and partner and I was like are you fucking joking me are you actually joking me and I was like I'm not going I didn't go absolutely fuck that <laughs> oh my god what are you just thinking like I bought you to a meal I'm, I yeah. got you fucking pissed all day and you can't remember my name Fuck you. Oh, very dare they. Like I mean, I'm not even just a little bit pissed because my dad is like proper working class West of Scotland male. So it's like, it was a big fucking deal that his last day was getting married. Yeah. So there was free booze for quite a lot of the day. Yeah. That's the rules. That is the rules. That is happening. Yeah. Uh, you got pissed at my wedding and you can't even remember my fucking name. Go and check your invite. It's just, like what do you mean you and partner <gasps> so that's, holly yeah. morgan and husband <laughs> yeah 
Well, I mean, I get, I sometimes get mail from Tom's family, which is to Mr. and Mrs. Tom Moores. And A, I'm not Mrs. Moores. I'm not, yeah. <laughs> and B, like, even if I know, I know it was, a, I know it's a convention. I know it's what, you know, your Nana probably doesn't know not to do it, but just, just think like, were you at my wedding? Did you hear what I said? <laughs> like, I did. I'm the oh, same. Gosh. I haven't changed my name either. Hmm. I remember my great aunt for like the first three years we were married, she kept sending us checks for our anniversary. And I was like, oh. that's not my name. Oh, <laughs> I was like, Oh, <laughs> and but then it's really interesting because she is ninety five and freaking incredible, and um, she said to me about six seven years ago, she went, "Do you know if I'd been able to, I would have kept my name." Oh, and I was just like, she went, "So I quite like that you have, but don't tell your gran I told you that." <laughs> I was like, okay. Oh, that's so sweet. That is so sweet. That thing, isn't it, about women lose their identity? Yeah, you do. You get subsumed into something. And I mean, well, I think why do men have to be Mr. They get to be Mr. their whole life. And we either Miss, Mrs. or Mrs. Yeah, exactly. Why can't we be one of them. Yeah, why can't we start as Mrs. and keep that way, you know? Yeah, it's. It, I mean, I was in two minds about it for a while. So I was like, to be honest, like Morgan is just my dad's name. So like, it's another man's name. Should I swap it for the different man's name? Like, and I guess if, if women want to, if, if, if I think if the name's better, take it <laughs> in some ways. Like if you're called like, I don't know, Dick Fanny or something, like change your name if you get the opportunity. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm quite, you know, our names were so similar anyway. We're like, well, we could amalgamate them and be Morgan, but then we just sound like a piece of IKEA furniture. So, in the end, we're like, actually, now I think about it, I really want to keep being who I was before. But yeah, that's, that's also convenient given that who I was before was was a fine name. If if I if I'd been called Dick Fanny, maybe I would have been Mrs. Wars. <laughs> but that's it. it; should just be your choice, right? Exactly. And your great aunt saying, if I if I could have, I would have. This yeah, is so interesting. Mm. Yeah. Sorry, I know that was me. I derailed the conversation because <laughs> no, raging. <laughs> I mean, it's not it's not a derailing at all actually because it takes us up like because we're coming up on the hour, so it would be a good segue to talk more about your plans for the act, Holly Morgan and her husband. Yeah, if there are any, um, and how that's going to look if you have anything to. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Bless it. Well, we're just going to, we're continuing to grow the old pod uh, and do our weekly episodes. And we're writing, writing, we we write for TV as well. We've got a couple of irons in the fire, which is incredibly frustrating. (laughs) uh, um, Yeah, I think looking towards live performance a bit more now. What are you guys thinking about? Are you going to be like... It's hard in Scotland because we've not had any day or anything. Mm. Like, I know because obviously down south there's been kind of dates and I know that like the West End producers are ready to go. They're like, yeah. we're, we're good to go. Um, but up here there's, there's not been anything yet. Yeah, it's, I think it's there's still difficult. a lot of sitting for everybody. Yeah, There's a lot of... um. Like I'm a bit of a multi-hyphenate, so I do a number of jobs. One of them's 
producer and I'm involved in a couple of projects and theatre projects that have been postponed and conversations around them have been we're postponing again yeah um so we're now looking at 2022 um this is part you know there's a number of reasons for that um the reasons that Elaine has just described there's no real end date in sight for us here um and uh the First Minister of Scotland is quite rightly saying I don't have a crystal ball so I can't give you a date because I don't want to give you a date and have not things not improve enough by that point and you and then having to retract it so I'm not going to give it to you which I think is sensible um uh so yeah a lot and then yeah the other reason is those particular productions are are bigger they're touring they're they have all of these things attached to them so it's like well we we can't we just simply cannot see that happening in 2021 so we'll postpone to 2022 so it doesn't feel great for live performance in Scotland at the moment um so sorry it's a bit grim but you know we we remain ever in hope um And I've pivoted a lot of my writing into screenwriting. So I'm just bashing away at writing stuff for, for film and television and seeing how, seeing what comes of that. So writing. I don't know. Okay. It's just it's just a way to channel creativity because the theatre piece I was writing, that's just, again, like same same deal. It's like, it'll happen if it can ever happen. Um, so I don't know. And then I guess like beyond that, it's like... <laughs> back to the usual like well maybe I'll be an actor if they let me ever I don't know <laughs> yes very familiar with that one yeah <laughs> anybody want to employ me anybody <laughs> can I even pick my own stuff no okay fine I'll just be here on ice <laughs> just, just waiting <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um yeah I'm gonna call you babes I'm gonna write a thing and then I'll call you all oh. This is what it's, we're all, it is all about the pivot right now, isn't it? Yeah, it is, yeah. It's just and it's so funny. I keep hearing performers and other people talking about pivot, and it doesn't matter like how many times it gets said. <laughs> all I think about is friends. Of course. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like, where is the sofa? <laughs> <laughs> My career is not a sofa. Yeah. Have, does it have the same timbre and pitch of panic as well? Like, pivot! Like that's <laughs> That's kind of how I'm hearing it as well. Everybody, quick. Yeah, yeah. everyone's it's struggling to hold up the sofa. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. But yeah, I think, um, I think, I, I mean, like I love that you've done your podcast and I think that's what I'm finding really lovely actually about lockdown is so many people are being creative with what they can do with mm. um, sound. Yeah, Absolutely. So mm. interesting. Do you remember in, in lockdown one, there was that whole like, guy, don't worry. If you haven't written anything, if you haven't written your masterpiece, it's absolutely fine. And now a lot of people are now coming out having written like, incredible pieces of work. You're like, you were lying. You told me it was fine. Yeah, <laughs> I, I just I just got in my jammies and watched Netflix, but you... <laughs> you, you twat. You went, you <laughs> sneaky fucker. Don't worry, it's all fine. Clearly throwing us all off. Exactly. <laughs> but you're right there's been some audio in general has been embraced I mean embraced by some people I mean, a bit like I don't know if you needed a podcast did you like insert name of footballer or insert name of white man yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. very successful white cis man but <laughs> yeah, it's like you have no problem <laughs> yeah you have no problem being heard did you really need to put it in a formalized episodic format but now I'm, I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. But the problem is, this is the problem, is because they couldn't monologue 
up or on stage so they, or just to other people so that they can get there. So they've just gone, oh, I know what I can do. I can podcast. Nobody can interrupt me. So I can fully monologue. Oh my God, that's so true. Oh. <laughs> oh my word (laughs) but there are more of us (laughs) more of us out there there are there definitely are um but that's exciting that you're like you've got your stuff and you're writing things and yeah yeah we we keep them going and like yeah just just like all of us really treading water we're all like um like avatars aren't we on on a computer game just doing that like bobbing up and down on the spot kind of thing until someone picks us but um yeah I think we, we there's this there's stuff afoot which is great and then there's just the hope yes just the sacred hope yeah yeah hope springs eternal I mean um you don't do this industry if you don't have hope really right. <laughs> like, yeah yeah like of any form um, before we finish, Holly, because I'm aware of time and everything, but we usually ask everybody um, what the phrase persistent and nasty means to them. So I don't know if you know why we called ourselves that, but um, when we were coming up with the name, and it actually was Lou that came up with it because she's she's bloody good with the words, is our Louise. <laughs> um, so we took it from um, Nevertheless, She Persisted, the Elizabeth Warren quote, and the reclaiming of the word nasty from Trump. So... Um, yeah what does persistent and nasty mean to you holly morgan oh fantastic what a great question yeah it does i still i still hear nasty woman i could still hear those words and so it, it does have those connotations and persistence i think is such a great word actually and as well as a credo it's about keeping going isn't it so i guess what it means to me is to be authentic to be self-sustaining and to be proud in the face of whatever they call you. Proud of whatever it is that is having the impact on them that makes them call you nasty, I guess, is what it means to me. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> but yeah, I guess I'd bracket it with like with diva or witch, actually. I think it's, it's definitely up. Those are great words in the, in the pantheon of female words. Some yeah. good ones there claim them back yeah absolutely absolutely um oh I'm so glad we got you on the podcast I'm so pleased you are thank you so much it's been so lovely oh it's been so lovely to talk to you I think we could have talked to you for hours me too I just wish we could be in a in a lovely pub in in Glasgow or Edinburgh that would be spectacular Mm. one day one day yes one day that will happen. Yeah, and next time you're down down here as well, let's let's get together. And- I literally said to my husband today, I was like, as soon as I can go to London, because I've got so many friends, I'm like, I'm going. And I think I was like, I'll probably just stay for like two weeks. So like, <laughs> yes, because like, then I was then I thought that will make me feel better as well because I've got so many people to see that I can have like a couple of days in between, so I don't feel like I'm like spreading too many things absolutely just have an, a salon an open house let them come to you but that's me. a fabulous idea <laughs> you can have it in mine I don't mind come around mine fabulous. <laughs> okay, that's it. I'll just be like I'm here for two weeks pop by and see me bring me on. thank you oh my god Holly you're gonna so deeply regret that it's like in a, like eight months time I'll be like knock on the door and Elaine's like hiya Guys, so welcome. Whenever, come. Excellent. I'd love to have you. <laughs> Good sleep. 
Anyway, oh. thank you, Holly Morgan. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. You're both wonderful. Thank you so much. Oh, you're wonderful. Thank you for being here. My pleasure. Thank you. And until next time, lovely listeners. Stay nasty. Stay nasty.